Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> We've got a uh, special guest in the studio today. Wagner Hocher has joined us for uh, this week's episode of A Fistful of Collars. And... Man, Wagner, it's a pleasure to have you here. I, uh, I'm actually very pleased that we'll be able to bring you into the uh, into the studio this time because um, you are, let's shall we say, you're a unique individual in jujitsu. Um, you're kind of a guy who's got a, a very interesting background, and um, you've been ruffling a few feathers lately, right? People, a lot of people are talking about you, both good and bad. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I feel like it, you know, it's press and it's a good it's a good thing, you know, to to make people unease and uh, and try to help change uh, things that I think need to be changed. So I, I'm, you know, I'm happy to, to be that guy if I need to be. So I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm, I'm thankful for uh, Flo and, and you guys to, to have me here and uh, invite me to uh, participate in this. I've, I've watched this show many times. So it's just a good, uh, it's a good <laughs> oh, feeling to be on this ego now. Come on, Wagner. No, I'm you make serious. me feel good. I've watched many times. <laughs> that was quite the intro, Hal. Hey, we have Wagner Hosha here. You piss a lot of people off. What's up? <laughs> 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 no, but it, it, it is fair to say, though, right, that you are um, hmm, a polarizing figure in, uh, in jiu-jitsu, right? Because everybody can agree. Everybody can agree. You are a, a pretty badass competitor, right? The results speak for themselves. How many times did you win ADCC trials? I won ADCC trials three times, been in the finals uh, four times. Uh, hit the podium at ADCC Worlds. Hit, hit the last podium, uh, got third place with uh, Lepre and JT. And, you know, you're a veteran of countless tournaments, super fights. Uh, you had a pretty solid MMA career as yeah, well. But UFC, Bellator, Strikeforce. You name it, right? I've done it. The, big, the biggest events in... Um, mixed martial arts and jiu-jitsu I've participated in meddled or done very well I really like the fact though and this is something that uh, that we've been chatting about a lot since we had you here in Austin in the office for the last couple of days or for the last 24 hours or so is that um, this this phase of your career while a lot of other people might be thinking about winding down and you know moving their focus away and on other things is that you've actually sort of revitalized your career and you've dedicated yourself back to becoming a professional grappler now how how is that going to happen like how, how did that come about um you know it was by accident um you know i always uh had my eyesight on uh doing mma because mma helped pay the bills um you know i have a family and i uh, have uh you know responsibilities of my own and my gym wasn't always in its best place to to uh pay those bills altogether so uh, you know it uh it happened by accident, you know. I just uh, got dragged into uh, my first professional uh, jiu-jitsu fight, uh, which then I s- really fed. I pushed a lot of uh, uh, 
pushed a lot of people over the edge. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say that, right? Because <laughs> that was your, that was your first professional jiu-jitsu match, was that fight to win uh, in Florida, in your hometown. Because yes. you, you, you'd been off the scene for a little while, right? You dabbled, you'd kind of like done, you were busy with MMA, you'd done ADCC, but your, your big comeback was that, that return and you were on the, the fight to win, right? Yeah, I was on the fight to win against uh, AJ and... Uh, and uh, you know that that right there just you know put me on the map where some people didn't know who I was. They eventually well, they kind of forgotten. I think, right? I don't know. I, I feel like jujitsu has hasn't had um, uh, good eyes to demonstrate and show all the people that are out there. There's a lot of really amazing uh, competitors in the world, and and grappling, and and also in jujitsu. And um, you know, I think like flow grappling, for example, has really brought the eyes and ears to. Uh, a, a lot of people, you mm -hmm. know, to to really understand what jujitsu is, and um, that didn't it didn't have that before, and uh, you know, events like Fight to Win and Kasai and and uh, you know and, and all these other bigger events, they you know they they bring eyes to the sport, and then it's you know that, thank God you know that's that drove me into uh, you know professional grappling, which I didn't think existed, and now that's it does. interesting. So so what I'm getting from you there is that somebody who's been involved in jiu-jitsu and grappling and MMA a very long time, uh, you got your black belt in 2007, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've been around, right? yeah. definitely a veteran. But what you're saying is that um, the, the sport couldn't sustain, you know, a, the, no. a career as a professional grappler up until like, what, two years ago? Yeah, I don't, I think, I, th I, I still feel like there's people out there that, that, don't believe that that you can actually make a living off jujitsu, and I, I I would say otherwise. I think you can if you if you're doing it right and you're fighting in the right places at the right time and 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 actually doing well. You know you're gonna be able to continuously stay busy. You, know, but you have to stay busy though, right? You have it's to stay not busy. quite a, quite like MMA. It's not quite the huge paydays. No, no, it's not a yet. huge paydays. But if you fight uh, an, a nice event every month, um, you know you can make some money to to survive. You know, it's less uh, less taxing as well, right? Because That's you could super you could do a jujitsu super fight a couple times a month if you I mean, wanted you to. You could train right? jujitsu year round. You don't need camps for jujitsu. Yeah. You know, you but with train. MMA, how many fights can you realistically do in a, in, in a year? Yeah, no. it's it's much harder. You know, and uh, you have to be selective. You know, if to to fight MMA year-round, you, you'd be broken within two years, you know. You, mm. You'd probably be in a wheelchair. <laughs> so, you know, we're jiu-jitsu. You, you know, we go in there, we get our rolls every day. You get, you know, a little bit of training. You know, you clean up what's what's needed, and, and you keep it moving, you know. When so. you uh, when you prepare for a super fight, do you study your opponents, or you just train hard every day and get ready for anything that comes? No, I, I, um, I, I give them uh, due time. I study uh, the person individually. And um, I kind of look over the things that they do best, and uh, I try to do my best to stay out of those things, you know. So yeah, I do. I do study. I do. I I feel like it's important. Some people don't, you know. I have friends. Some that people are, don't like to. Right? Some people don't even look at their guys. They don't yeah. want to know, you know. I I want to know. I rather know than not than approach a, a match and fall into something mm. that I could have easily avoided mm. because of, I I watched over what the guy likes doing, you know, like myself. If you had to fight me, I would be like, hmm. Am I going to do that? Nope. Am I going to do this? Nope. <laughs> you know, I'm going to watch over because it's, I mean, I'm pretty, I'm pretty generic if you really think about it. I do a lot of the same things over and over again. But um, I wouldn't say generic because, you know, you're, you're a specialist in certain areas, but uh, it's definitely, it's no secret what you like, right? No, that's no secret. And, yeah. I, and I, I try to force people into my game, you know, and that's, that's what makes my jiu-jitsu special.
Interesting. I'm uh, I'm really intrigued about this kind of the development of professional grappling because um, I mean you've done open tournaments, you know, we've yes, seen you compete, um, but you you really seem to like to go on the on the stage, you know, compete under the bright lights, whether it's Kasai, whether it's fight to win, you know, it, it, why is that? Is it anything to do with your, your your time in MMA or anything like that? Or I feel like um, you know the super fights are m way more entertaining, you know, and. Um, it takes a special kind of person to fight a super fight and, and actually draw fans out of it. Um, and that's something I feel like I do really well. I go in there and I perform at my, my ultimate best and I push myself. I give 150% every time I'm out there. I'm not trying to just squeak a match away. And, you know, nobody nobody's paying to watch that. You know what I mean? Yeah. The, the promoters are not paying for that. You, you know, the, the, the spectators are not paying for that. The people in the crowd are not paying for that. Nobody wants to see two guys go in there and just kind of barely try to you know, try to win a match over the other. You know, they want to see a fight. They want to see two guys right? go out there and freaking go nuts on each other, try to get the win, you know. But, you know, sometimes... You feel that that's what you bring to the table? I feel like every time I go out there, you're going to guarantee you got 15 minutes of me of, of going forward, you know. 15 minutes of violence. <laughs> violence. That's exactly it, violence. <laughs> Yo, Chase, actually, you, you made an uh, awesome highlight mm. of, of some of Wagner's best moments Amazing. from the last couple of years, and we called it, you know, the violent jiu-jitsu. It's true. It's uh, a comeback, right? It kind of, yeah. it was funny because I feel like you're almost a precursor to this everyday Pohada movement, the no Nutella stuff. You know, you were really going hard with that two years ago, and now it seems commonplace. Like, guys maybe are a little bit meaner today. I don't know. Josh Hanger is another great example of someone that doesn't really give a shit and will be really rude in a match. But it's, it's he's fighting to win. You know, it's, it's, it's competitive. Game, right? Yeah, um, I, I agree with you. Do you think that there is um, a divide there, though, that some people don't like it and that's maybe the wrong way to look at it? Or there was a big reaction. I'm, I'm speaking about the, uh, the Python choke, right? A lot of people kind of came after you a little bit and said that was that's not jiu-jitsu that's yeah, that's man. fighting or that's dirty that, and, and it was a majority from the brazilian crowd i i feel like the uh, the brazilians that uh, do jiu-jitsu in brazil i believe i i would say because of the majority of the comments i was reading um you know were, were there was a lot of americans on there as well but there was a lot of the brazilians in there and i feel like they are uh they don't understand what i was doing and why i was doing that you know what i mean like and it wasn't like I was doing that to a freaking bum. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. The guy that I was on the other end of that is a multiple-time world champion, one of the freaking greatest guys in jiu-jitsu. Probably be, you know, in the history books with, with the rest of us. You know, the, the Talking about Tanquinho, yeah, of course, Yeah, Augusto right? Mendes. Yeah, my yeah. guy's a freaking legend, dude. Guy mm -hmm. beat Corbrinha and Rafael Mendes in the same day in a tournament. I mean, how many guys can say they've done that? You know what I mean? Like, Not many. Yeah, man. One. So, <laughs> yeah, one. Exactly. Yeah. So, it, you know, it's... it's uh, you know, it's the effectiveness of the movement, and people were 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 um, to right use the right word. They were hating on it. You know, they're like, "Oh, that's not jujitsu. That's ugly." My brother, if I got to your back and I trapped your arms and I had you in that position, it's effective. Mm -hmm. It works because if it it can get done to you, it can get done to anybody. So, I mean, what do you think the problem was with it then? Because um, the comments were kind of like, "Oh, it's." It's not real jujitsu, but what, what does that mean? Yeah, what does that mean? I don't understand either. I mean, I guess they were upset that the fact that I was covering his mouth. You know, um, let's let's look back at an armbar or a triangle or or any submission. Your armbar guys trying to break your arm. Often people get their arms broken in, in competition trying to escape an armbar mm. or we've seen to, it happen a lot. Yeah, go to sleep. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like we're getting woken up by a choke. So I mean, the effectiveness of what I was doing. You know, I had his arms trapped. I'm covering his mouth. I'm trying to get him to raise his neck so I can go underneath. 
And that's that's a move. And I actually have tapped people with it. You know, and I had many people with it actually, and one in competition and. And uh, that one was the original one that I did that made people the upset. The combat jiu-jitsu. The combat jiu-jitsu uh-huh. one. That made people freaking mad, you know. And then... No, that's then weird because the combat jiu-jitsu is meant to be even more like a fight. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, it seems like anything should go in there. Yeah. And it, it seems like we're all like, oh, well, screw those guys because their opinion doesn't matter. And it's it's not the case. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to kind of like stay in the middle here. It might be the case sides. for me. I don't know. Chase <laughs> <laughs> is like, screw those guys. But I'm genuinely interested to kind of find out what people's problem is with it. Because my... You know, my personal opinion is that is that jujitsu is is meant to be uh, effective regardless of the situation, whether it is you know uh, a sport jujitsu match or whether it's a self defense situation or, or MMA fight or a life and death. You know, and ultimately that's what jujitsu is about: is being able to work in in any of those, right? And you right. know, if we train like like we say we do, uh, you should be able to deal with that. And if worst comes to the worst, it's in a match. You tap out. It's no big deal. Mm. So I'm wondering why people were freaking out so much that that what you did was considered, I don't know, dare I say, dirty? <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was just the, the fact that I was covering his mouth. I think that might have been might have been what, uh, you know, got people upset. You, you guys, got, it, it threw me off. There was some, you know, random nobodies in there saying, hey, you can't do that. And then there was people that were like legitimate and famous, like Verdum. Came on the on the on the flow grappling thing. It was like, oh, that guy! I can't believe he did that. And and I'm like, for doom, I've seen you fight many times. You're like dirty as dirty gets. You know what I mean? <laughs> guy comes out to touch gloves with flying kicks. The guy in the chest. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, that you know, who are you to step on on that line and say, oh, that's dirty or that's not? It's a fight, you know. And and love and war. There's no rules. You know what I mean? Like, unless there's rules written. If, if there's, <laughs> there's they a say, few rules in yeah, jiu-jitsu, if, but... Yeah, if you can say, hey, you're not allowed to do that, you know, we were an event that was clearly allowed to do that. Mm. If you're allowed to do right. it, you should be you should be exploring those lines. You know what I mean? When we were even watching some of your matches yesterday, right, and, and you know, there was a, a match of you in an, AD, uh, sorry, in an IBJJF tournament, and you were on the back, but you didn't touch a guy's face at one moment because it I was against the, the I had the right? option, exactly, and mm-hmm. I knew that if I did that, I was going to be penalized, so I didn't do it, you know? Mm-hmm. And... Um, and you see events changing rules left and right now for either to adapt to make it better, you know, to say, all right, that's legal, you can do this, or to be like, no, clearly this is not illegal, you know, you can't do that, you know what I mean? So, do you, do you like having the kind of the uh, the the kind of the variety of rule sets out there now? Because this um, this obviously there's the points tournaments with things like you know no slams, no heel hooks, and then you have the, a lot of the submission only where the, uh, there's a lot more permitted. Um, and then there's points tournaments where you can heel hook. There's, there's, there's a lot more than it seems that there once was, right? How do you feel about that? I feel um, there's a, a you know there's rules for tournaments, there's rules for spectators, there's rules for athletes. You know, I think each rule serves a purpose. Um, if I had to choose one to say, oh, which one's the best one, I, I think we should favor the rules that favor the audience, you know, the mm. ones the people that are going to watch. So, you know, if you're how often you see matches where guys are sitting there and they're stalling their brain out to try to just win the, the, the match to get to the next to the next phase, you know, and they're not really showcasing jujitsu, you know, and right. that's something that's not going to make spectators watch. You know what I mean? We're trying to gain audience. We're trying to change people's mind about what jujitsu is and how effective it could be. If, if, if the submission isn't the most important thing in the match, then there's a what problem. What are we doing? There's a <laughs> yeah. problem. There's a problem, yeah. you know? But I'll, I'll flip the script a little bit. I, I think that really, really good jujitsu is almost boring because it's controlling. Jiu-jitsu for me is controlled in submission and 
man, sometimes like if you're working away, going for the sub, it can be a really grinding approach. And sometimes the spectator friendly rule set or that mindset can maybe stand the guys up, get them going again, or uh, I don't know, maybe overtime rules, for example. To me, overtime isn't really true jujitsu. It, it's it's super spectator friendly. It's weighted so heavily on that. And I, I think there may be it's, it's a hard balance to find is what I'm trying to get at. Maybe. It depends on what you're trying to sell. You know what I mean? If you're if you have an event and you're trying to promote um you know spectator friendly and you're trying to uh, promote an audience mm. then you got to figure out the rules it's back to what i was saying you know if you're trying to just figure out who the best guy out of 100 is then you know you have to look at the the way the format's going to be and the rules you know jiu-jitsu still has a long ways to go to it becomes um you know friendly enough that your grandmother can watch and understand you know what i mean mm-hmm. and i mean i personally feel like submission is the way you know what i mean like you put you put you, two you guys. Know, when you say submission is what you mean, like submission only. I think like fight to win rules is the way. You know what I'm saying? Really? Where you get two guys in front of each other and they go crazy on each other, and at the end you can go, that guy's the winner. Clearly, that guy's the winner. You know what I mean? Right. You know, not by what positional. I mean, how often you see a guy sit on bottom and throw up triangles and almost kill the guy with the triangle and choke him to death, and then suddenly that guy uses that triangle to pass his guard and hold him, and then wins the match. Mm. Who really won that match? I guess it depends who you're talking to. Right. Like that, yeah, it depends on the who rules, really won the match. Okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? To me, honestly, I think the guy who was on bottom trying to tap the other guy out, he's the winner. You know? Not the guy who barely passed the guard for three seconds and then got pushed back to guard and then was back in that struggle of trying to survive. So you obviously you know I mean? favor attacking jujitsu, fight ending submissions. Fight yeah. ending submissions. Yeah. Because again, that relates back to self defense, you know, that relates back to fighting, that relates back to survival. Mm. You know, survival is the key, you know. How about when you uh, when you train and when you teach? Are you are you using those kind of techniques? You know the the ones that you unleash that we see you do in the competition. That's you know they're, they're not nice techniques, right? Let's let's say it nice. Let's say it they as walk it the is, line, right? right? Yeah, I mean you know they're, they're not rule breaking, but they're taking the they're pushing the rules to the limits. They're testing the rules to the limits. They're testing the other guy. They're testing the other guy. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, you know, we we've been rolling with you a little bit the last twenty four hours, and we got to feel some of the pressure, right? right. And it's uh, it's how pretty, did you feel? Uh, pretty miserable. <laughs> it's, it's effective, man. Like I don't want to be there. I'll Absolutely give you what you not. want to go away. But what I'm wondering <laughs> is that I mean, you know, you kind of being nice with us, right? You were kind of giving us a little taste. I roll with you just like I roll with my students. So when you were unless training, I'm rolling with like high level competitors, uh-huh. like my level, then I turn it to that next level. You'll take but it up again. I take more. it a notch up, yeah. But wow. I, w- the way I roll with you guys is the way I roll with my students, and I teach them and I explain to them like, hey, you shouldn't allow me to do this because this could happen. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. and and I teach them and I allow them to work like that with each other. I feel like that makes them better. And if they go to an event to compete or to fight, they're ready for that. that right. they, they, there's nothing surprising them in the gym. You know what I mean? They're not going to get caught off guard by a guy who's posting his hand on his face uh-huh. or an elbow in his ribs or something that's like, oh, you would think is dirty. But let's be realistic. It's not really dirty. It's a fight. You know what I mean? So they're not going to freak out and start looking to the referee midway through the match like, oh, help, that happens, help. That happens to me all the time. How <laughs> <laughs> often am I in a match and I look at the guy and he's looking at the referee? I'm like, why are your eyes off me? You know what I mean? Why do you take your eyes off somebody in a fight? That's... It's not smart, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And Marcel held, oh, what's happening over <laughs> here? He's what's this guy doing? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I'm going to keep going with that. Yeah, that's yeah. hurting you, I guess. Yeah, man. I mean, it just doesn't, I don't get it. it you just, mentioned the Marcin held match. That was uh, was Kasai Pro, the uh, the tournament there where you had a had a great lock. run. You got the wrist lock against Marcin. You submitted uh, Iwasaki with a heel hook. Um, and then you, ha- you had that, like, kind of, like, bomb burner, very close match with Hernando Canudo in the final. That, that particular show for me that was one of the best uh, 
um, displays of your jujitsu because we got to see a bit of everything in those matches, right? Yeah, I wasn't scared to fight. That's the that's why those are the rules I, I said that are you know fan friendly. You know what I mean? When you can go in there and again each rule, right? If you look at it, the the, the system that they ran on that tournament. It makes it exciting for people to go out there and watch because you got to go out there and fight to win. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? You got to fight to submit your guy, and you got to go forward. You, you, you like the round robin format on Kasai as well? Yeah, I personally, I have great cardio. I, I can go for you know three hours straight without getting tired. And, and people tell me all the time, like I don't know how you do it, but that's because I train in that manner. So those those that tournament format that to me is like it's awesome. You know, I feel like I get going as the the later the rounds, the better I get. You know. And when so, other guys are getting tired, you're... I'm getting better. Yeah, right. that's exactly it. So now speaking of Kasai, uh, you were originally scheduled to compete next week yep. in Dallas. Um, you had a super fight uh, scheduled with uh, Matthias Lutz, I believe, yep. and um, that was going to be a rematch because you guys fought last year on Kasai Pro. So uh, can you tell us what happened while you were out? I uh, mean, I had an injury that uh, you know that uh, is going to keep me out and. Um, you know, it's fortunate. I really do enjoy uh, those events, like especially like Kasai. I think it's one of the best events out now. And uh, I had to withdraw. You know, I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't. Not only am I super busy with things that are happening in my personal life. You know, I'm moving my school. I, I released a new DVD, and um, and then I got injured. So it's it just just a lot got stacked against me. And I said, you know what? I I'm very competitive, and I don't want to go out there to. Uh, you know, have a bad performance and and uh, and show ass. You know what I mean. I wanted to go out there and do my best and entertain people. So I figured I'd, I I pull away and give somebody else another chance at doing that for Kasai because that's that's the right thing to do. It's how long do you think? Sorry, how yeah. long do you think roughly before we'll see you back in action? Because um, I know people want to see you a compete. Couple, probably a couple weeks more until I start really training hard again. You know, gotcha. and I get healthy, and then um, probably you know by April you probably see me. Fight to Win is coming to uh, Florida, and uh, I would like to be on that card. I told Seth. Uh, you know, I have I have two titles on Fight to Win. I have a lightweight title and a welterweight title. You know, I would like to face somebody that's worthy of uh, of that challenge. You know, you know, big name would be nice. You know, I don't call anybody out, but <laughs> <laughs> and then plans. Uh, the one thing that we've been talking to a, a lot of people is, of course, it's ADCC year. Right? This is this is my dream. You know, that's the that's the that's the everything right now you know that's this is the year that i'm focusing on that and uh you know clean up all the things that i feel like i need to make better and uh and get on track you know so that i can get that gold medal that i should have gotten in 2017 what's the uh, hardest part about adapting to adcc because it's a very unique rule set and you have to be good in all areas including wrestling and leg locks and And those um, overtimes overtimes (laughs) are crazy what uh what, what are the biggest modifications to your training to get ready for adcc um I think for me, it's, um, and I've told I've told everybody that goes to compete in that event. I get a lot of people always questioning me, like, "Hey, I'm going to, to the trials to try to win. What do I do? What do I focus on?" I think the number one thing that people really mess up at the ADCC is they don't understand the rules. Mm. And if you don't understand the rules, you can make such careless mistakes. You can make a mistake, you know, whereas you're winning the match and you make a mistake and you're like, "Dang, I lost." You know what I mean? Like my first example, first time I ever won. The trials, um, I had a great run uh, for guys like Gary Tonin and, and JT Torres who were in the trials the same year. And uh, I got to the finals, and then in the finals, I had this match against this kid who I used to train with, and um, I used to do really well against him in the gym. Like, I con- consistently dominated him in the gym. And But when we went to the tournament, we ended up in the finals against each other, and he freaking made my life so hard. And, I mean, I submitted everybody all the way up to the finals. And then this guy in the finals... 
we had a 20-minute match, but in the last two minutes of the match, he um, I was posting on his neck, and he went for a flying armbar, and uh, I stuffed it, I stuffed it, rolled through, and ended up on top, and he got a minus one for it. And I, I it makes mm-hmm. me think, like, guys don't understand the rules. Mm-hmm. I would have never pulled for a flying armbar and just hung out on bottom once I'd missed, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. you know if you end up on, if you pull, it's going to score, that's, that's score against you, you right. know what I mean? you got to know the rules, you know what I mean? Like maybe it's if you got an app. rules are very, very specific as well. They, they, they're very unique, aren't they? It's mm-hmm. like you, you, you don't really get that much opportunity to compete under those rules anywhere else. So. No, it's it's definitely unique. Uh, and you gotta you got to be smart to everything that, that could possibly work against you, you know what I mean? And, and a lot of guys, you know, I can't say that I'm perfect in that tournament, but um, I um, definitely know the rules. I've messed up with the rules too myself. I feel like maybe my last loss at the at the last ADCC in the finals on the semifinals against Lucas Lepre might have been a mess up on my uh, understanding of the rules. I don't that, know. That I match, did, I mean, you know, razor close. Yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, but you had his you had his back, but it was like just with the one hook and you hit the takedown and stuff. So I had a beautiful takedown. What do you think leg. it was that the the kind of let that slip away from you? Um, you know, I try to question the referees to ask him, but they don't want to give me an answer. <laughs> but then the more I studied it, and I watched it a couple times afterwards to kind of like try to understand like on outside perspective, and I feel like maybe he was f- pushing the overtime with like. He had these like fake takedowns. Like he would grab a single leg, and at, at the same time he was grabbing it, but it wasn't like he was grabbing it to really finish it. It was like non-committal. He, like it was non-committal. Like he was yeah. grabbing my leg, and I was hopping trying to trap him in the kimuras, and he knew it. So it was like he was grabbing it just to kind of show face as if he was doing something. Right. And then I pushed him out, and I shot on his legs, and it was back and forth. But maybe he was trying to press like as he was more active. And I think that might have been the reason why they gave it to him. But I really don't see it that way. I mean, being in the match today, looking at it, going, I mean, it's the only thing I can see that they could say, like, oh, yeah, he went for a couple single legs. He actually picked up your leg. But it was like he was picking up my leg, and I was, like, looking at the referee, like, come on, man, there's nothing here. You know what I mean? Like, I'm waiting for him to make a mistake, you know, but it is what it is. You know, It's crazy because that was a 30-minute match as well, right? Yeah. 10-minute regulation and then two 10-minute overtimes? No, it was one overtime. Oh, just one overtime, right? Yeah, okay. It was still a long match. You know, wow, yeah, it's one of the long. best in the world. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Uh, what did you think about? Um, you hear about Lucas? He uh, competed at the Europeans just last week. Yeah, um, man, yeah, I saw. I saw some of the matches. How do you? How do you feel about sort of you know seeing a guy like that go in and then? He, I mean, he fought like two three hundred fifty plus pound guys. So. Yeah, and then Kynan, who's not three hundred pounds but a beast, two hundred plus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's awesome. I think it's cool that uh, he went out there and uh, tried to showcase his jujitsu and showed the effectiveness of how good he really is and he didn't have to stay within his uh you know his weight class he's a lightweight you know what i mean and he moved moved into a group where it's giants you know and you could see some of the guys who look like towering over him and he still went in there and subbed him and made it look easy you know so i I applaud him i think it looked it's it's amazing to see things like that you know and it's we don't see that often you know i actually personally love doing absolutes i think it's fun you know what i mean to to go in there and, and measure size with somebody that's a little bit bigger than you um but it's not everybody that's it's about that life. Well, so, you know, we're talking a little bit about there, but you appreciate the fact that he did the absolute and, you know, that he challenged himself in that way. But I'd like to know that who does Wagner Holcher like to watch? You know, which competitors do, do you watch and you think, man, I like that guy's jiu-jitsu or I like his spirit or wherever it might be? Uh, I watch a diverse group of guys. Yeah. Um, you know, Lepre is definitely one of them. Guys like, uh, you know, Andre Galvon, I think is amazing. 
Um, I mean, they were talking to the new generation, but I personally have been watching the generation before the generation that's out now. Guys like Leo Vieira, you know, those are guys that I used to watch, and I'm like, you know, try to steal as much as I can out of what I see. <laughs> you know, some of that dynamic approaches. You know, um, it's a it's a it's a diverse group. Um, but personally, there's one guy in general that I've watched over the years that I've stolen a lot of techniques from that I think to me is, I think he's a goat in jiu-jitsu of all time. It's uh, Marcelo Garcia. Mm. Uh, Not too many people would disagree with that. I think yeah. you know, Marcelo proved <laughs> I think his accomplishments alone that he is definitely one of the greatest of all times. But yeah. what, what is it that's, that was special about, about him as opposed to you know some of the other accomplished guys out there? Uh, he's that guy who would, who would consistently chase the submission. You know, If you watch him, I don't know if he ever fought a match to not submit uh, his opponent, you know what I mean? I think every match in his mind was like, oh, i got to submit you. Right. And there was no really no points in front of him that were actually holding him back. And he, you can tell he was never like score and look up at the clock to see if he scored, you know what I mean? He was the guy who was like score and try to, you know, either grab your arm, grab your neck, and just keep chasing you until he tapped you, you know? You know, I watched a lot of him at uh, at ADCC, you know, firsthand, like up front, like front row and center, you know? So, I mean, um, yeah, I think he's... Uh, you know, easily, you know, probably the best guy uh, of all time. I mean, if you look at his accomplishments and the, and his size, yeah. you know, and what he's done, you know, he's he's great, man. He's, yeah, he's not some 260-pound, you know, freight no. train, right? So. No, he's not. He's not a Bouchesha, you know what I mean? I, I love Bouchesha. He's my friend. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's hard to say all oh, Harger, Gracie, and Bouchesha are the best guys of all time. They have a huge advantage over guys like me, you know, like they're – they tower over us you know right. what I mean plus don't get me wrong they have amazing jiu-jitsu their jiu-jitsu is clean technique is perfect but we're talking about a guy who's small you know a guy who would go in absolutes he's a guy who went in many absolutes you know I mean, he didn't win any of them but he got to the podium several times you know in ADCC and uh, Worlds if I'm not mistaken so I, I honestly he, to me he's uh, he's the GOAT you know and, and he's still young, man. He's we're the same age. Even T's coming back took a sigh, right? We were all hoping um, yeah. that might happen someday. I so mean, if they need a, if they need an opponent for him, keep me in mind. Oh, that'd be that'd be <laughs> sick. Because he did Listen, say that if he was going to come back, that he'd love to do it in New York, and that's like the I'm size there. territory, right? You so. could put me in. Sign me up. I'm Ooh, there. There you go. I, I like I said, I'm a huge fan, but I'm I'll be first in line to raise my hand if they if they call. For uh, for somebody to go against him, you just because make that one a show, just, right? Yeah, <laughs> just because of the respect factor. I I mean, I, I'm gonna fight him like I would fight, you know, anybody else. You know what I mean? But I I just feel like that's it, man. That's the the goat of jujitsu, and I get a chance at going out there and and proving that I'm in that in that same same four you know same line you know and that's a guy i know i think i know his jujitsu like the the palm of my hand a lot like of hours, I, like lot i know of exactly which direction he's going <laughs> You know? I'm not sure there are many people in jiu-jitsu who have been studied more than Marcelo, right? He's, he was a reference point for so long, mm. like his techniques. It's true. Yeah, he puts himself out there. You know, you mm. see his, his MG in action and, and videos consistently. You know, he's Never he's been shy in sharing that, right? Nope. He's a guy who's just, you know, he's perfect for, for what we do. You know, he's a guy who's just shares you know and that's it's important you know? you're, you're kind of like that too you've put out a couple dvds recently and uh what do you think about people who are a little bit more secretive about their technique i i think it's wrong i think um you know if you're if you're scared of showing what you do best then you're not gonna you know let the rest of the world uh build you know what i mean we need need people like like us to to share knowledge and explain things to make others better you know what i mean not everybody has the same eyesight 
that uh, I feel like the high level competitors have. You know, like like I'm the kind of guy. If you did something to me once, I'm gonna go, huh? All right, I see it. You know, like and I, and I, and I adapt and correct. You know what I mean? And not everybody's like that. So you need people like us to help others to evolve and to make the, the art better. You know? Have you ever felt that someone? You gave away too much. Have you ever felt in competition like, oh, man, this guy knows what I'm doing or, or he studied me? No, because it's one thing to n- study and know and watch and it's another to feel and mm-hmm. ha- let it happen, you know? Like we were doing Kimuras today. You were like, I see it. It I was different. It. <laughs> it's different. You know what I mean? It's different when you're in the in that hole and you're stuck. You know what I mean? It's not the same. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you can teach the move all day, but until you feel the actual person do it to you, then uh, – you can't you you know i'd like to know actually um you know you have a very distinct game and and you explained that a lot of that is kind of like self-discovery and and you know developing it yourself but i'd like to know um you know if there was anybody in particular or if it was a specific thing that was like a an influenced your game because you know how did you develop what you do uh, I developed it through, you know, the training partners I had and the people that I was, you know, consistently on day in, day out uh, involved with. They, you know, they pushed me to become better and, uh, you know, and, and propelled me to, you know, to the game I have today. So I, I what the gym I started in was at uh, Pablo Popovich's gym in Fort Lauderdale and, and Cyborg used to train with us. And at the gym we trained at, there was a lot of high-level wrestlers. Wrestlers? The wrestlers, high-level right. wrestlers. And... Um, I got taken down a lot over and over again and got stuck on bottom a lot. And eventually I, I put in my brain that I needed to learn how to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And before I actually learned how to wrestle, I learned how to counter wrestle. So meaning I would use their shots to kind of counter them and scramble around them and trap them. So and, that's you know, where the whole kind of like the Kimura, Kimura system si- came from. Yeah, the Kimura uh-huh. system came from that. And then, uh, you know, I always, I always had an amazing guard, you know, when I was a brown belt, I think – I always said I don't need to learn how to wrestle. I want to be on bottom playing guard because that's that's much more effective. And then I realized that it's not that effective when you got a guy who's got an amazing base and doesn't get swept that easy. And um, and I from there I started to pick off their games and my you know my uh, tribulations of you know getting wrecked and uh, understanding what I should and shouldn't do and evolving by learning you know through what's happening in inside the school you know you've been quite fortunate as well in that uh, you know you've had some very very high level mentors yes, throughout your journey right yeah. but you've also um i'm not sure if it's just location or if it's the uh the the people around you but you've had access to train with like a, a ton of high level guys at, at some point or another right yeah man how, how so how's that worked out florida is a as a, a, a stomping ground for some of the best guys in the world you know people are don't have Florida on the map that way. I mean, I'm sure some they're like, hey, the guys that really know jujitsu know that Florida is. But Florida men started uh, American Top Team was started in Florida, which is a huge uh, jujitsu um, backbone. Uh, it's a leftover of the guys that came out of Carlson Gracie. So a lot of old school guys like Luke, Ricardo Liboro is down there, and he brought a whole crew of guys. And I, I was able to fortunately train with the the beginning of American Top Team, and Pablo Popovich was my instructor, and he was part of American Top Team, and then. Cyborg made his way to Miami, and we all started training together. And man, we we've hosted guys down there. You know, like Bushesha stayed like two years with us, and I trained with him a ton. Uh, Palito, a bunch of guys from Czech Matt, and guys from Braza, and we had a camp once. I, I told you guys this earlier. We had in two thousand seven. Yeah, tell us who was on the mat for yeah, that camp. Two thousand seven, we had an ADCC camp where Leo Vieira, Andre Galvon, uh, Kavaka. 
Marcelo Zado, Lucas Leitch, Pancho, uh, Ricardo Vieira. I mean, some serious guys. Right now yeah, man, it was a tough room. Yeah. Dude, it was like the who's who of jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, these guys were trained. They trained for two months straight in Florida. And who no were you at the time? What were, what, what were you like? I was a brown belt at the time. Mm. And uh, these guys, I was like their... I was like the main training partner for like Leo Vieira and Andre Galvon. Wow. And I was just getting wrecked over and over <laughs> and over. I, I've never done a private lesson with anybody in my whole life in jiu-jitsu. I've never, I, first off, it's expensive to do a private lesson. And second, I just, you know, never had the, the like feeling like I need to do a private lesson with this guy because, you know, most people I am very friendly and I ask and they answer, you know. Mm. But I remember after I trained with Leo for the first time, I was like, yo, I gotta do a private lesson with this guy because he just made me feel like a little kid. Like it did, like nothing worked, you know? And uh, he's the only guy in this, uh, he should feel special, Leo. I hope you're watching. <laughs> uh, again, another great influence in jiu-jitsu. He's guy, one of those guys I watched yeah. as well, you know? And, and um, founder of Checkmat Team, obviously co-founder of Checkmat Team, just continuing that legacy, but... Yeah, so man. You've been, you've been exposed to, I mean, just the names that you mentioned there, I mean, just to such a wide variety of different styles, different philosophies of jujitsu. It kind of, that, all of that, just being exposed to that and all of that feeding into your own game, um, I guess it kind of explains why you're, you know, you've got quite a well rounded jujitsu in there now. Because right? you're not just like focused on one specific thing. Like people don't look at you and they, oh, he's he's just a leg lock guy, or you know, he's just a just a guard player. Like you, you actually have like a pretty comprehensive game. So yeah, yeah. Like I said, up until I was a brown belt, all I did was guard, and then I had to learn how to wrestle, and then I learned how to bend on top, and now it looks more like I play top and wrestle and and take the back at will. But it's it's not the complete uh, system that I have, you know. And that's what I actually, to be honest with you, I've uh, tried to tell myself over the last uh, couple of years that I need to, to expose those um, avenues that I have that I don't do. Like I don't often pull guard anymore. And, um, and I know I can do it, but when it comes time to compete, it, you have that little feeling in your stomach. You're like, no, no, you got to stick to your guns. You got to try to force the person to make a mistake in what you do best. And you know, I, we see you pull guard sometimes. Though, I have, right? I have. You we know, see you, you like I, pull into like half, right? I pull to a half. You uh -huh. know, I pull into that Lucas Leitchi coyote guard. I okay. like that one a lot. Learned it from him himself. So yeah, I, I um I use uh, uh, uh you know I attack the legs if I need you know. So it's uh it's a it's a matter of trying to branch out. You know, if you could start over and build yourself, knowing what you know now from the beginning, what would you? How would you? Uh, start your foundation to see what's most important for a beginner how can they improve and like really get going on the right foot i feel like i was fortunate enough to do that by the fact that i was when i started jiu-jitsu i was young and i was small I how, was how old were you when you started i was like 18 is when i really got started and um i was skinny you know i was like 150 pounds with the with my frame now so I was very scrawny, so I was able to... Hey, you can be pretty ripped at 150. Yeah, I was kidding. Though. I've never, I'm not a muscular guy. If you see I'm me without kidding. a shirt, I'm like not muscular at all. I've, you know, the, I think the most muscular I've ever been was that the, that ADCC there that, that we did, the last mm. Finland one. That was like my rippedest point in my life. And that was me really being very strict with my diet. And, and, uh, and I stayed really skinny for, you know, I was like 165 pounds. You know, I was trying to stay under the weight so that I didn't struggle to have to make the weight. Yeah, you don't have that, like, blown-up physique like you see a lot of you know, guys do, like right? jacked the muscle. If, yeah. if I put that on my body, I think I'll be 185 pounds. So I can't – it's just not – you know, it's not on me. But I think 
the number one thing you could learn as a beginner is your guard. You know, I think guard is the hardest part to learn. You know, gravity's against you. And um, you see a lot of guys that learn top first. They learn how to play on top first. They never want to play guard, mm. you know, because once you play on your back, it just feels like you're like, oh, my God, this sucks. So if you learn how to play guard first and then you learn how to play on top, actually it feels harder than it really is because then when you get on top, you're like you never feel like strong. You never feel like you have a good base. But if you learn how to play bottom first and then you learn how to play top, it actually becomes easier to adapt. But it's harder to do the other way around. So definitely I think bottom first, then top, then learn some you know, top wrestling, judo, something that, that can make your base on top stronger. And then, uh, you know, adapt, uh, you know, the diversity of the game where, you know, legs, the upper body, lower body, you know. Make, so then you can branch out. To you the, can branch out yeah. to everything, you know. Well, speaking of the legs, this is um, it's kind of a really hot topic in jiu-jitsu for like the last year, year and a half, two mm -hmm. years, I guess, uh, is the leg lock systems, right? Because, you know, the Danaher death squad, you know, John Danaher students great. from Henzo's, um, who you have a lot of experience of competing against. Yep. Um, I mean, they, they were the kind of the guys to really put leg locks back on the map because they've always existed in jiu-jitsu, right? Yeah. And, um, you know, we saw guys like Dean Lister and, and other specialists going into ADCC and, and, and winning gold. Mm. But um, they dropped off the map and then, you know, the submission only kind of allowed them to come back. So um, how do you feel about that coming around? Because I know you appreciate the effectiveness of jiu-jitsu. So when the leg lock game came back around, how did you feel about that? I I think it's important. I think, um, you know, I'll be honest with you, I'm going to say this and uh, it's going to ruffle other, some people's feathers, but I feel like if the tournament you're in has restrictions on the things you do, then it's actually slowing down your jujitsu. So mm. what I mean by that is I think everything should be fair game. I think it should be no, I mean, of course, I'm not telling you to freaking, you know, fish hook your opponents <laughs> or eye gouge them. That's, of course, that's You're like, talking about jujitsu techniques. Jujitsu yeah. techniques. Like there should be no restriction on any jujitsu techniques at any belt level. There should be, it really? should be yeah, like that's purple. That's a bold statement. Yes, it's a huge statement because I feel like there needs to be an awareness from the day one. If you have like, oh, you know, I can't do this until purple belt, then you ch you you train all the way up to purple belt with this mentality of like, I can't do this until I'm a purple belt. And then you're learning from that point on. How many years does it take to get a purple belt? You know, it takes four years, three years. You've wasted three years of your time. You never learned that part of the game. Now you're like a beginner and now you kind of hate it. You're like, oh, I hate that. I don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. I, I dislike that. I don't want to be, that doesn't need to be. It needs to be it needs to be involved the minute you start to train so that you're never caught off guard and you never have that feeling like I, I don't want to do this because it's not part of my jiu-jitsu you know that I personally that's how I learned jiu-jitsu when I started jiu-jitsu I was learning jiu-jitsu to fight MMA from day gym, one day one so they people were ripping heel hooks and straight foot locks and they didn't care what belt level I was so I had to learn how to defend myself and that made me you know respect the move and, and I'm actually the first person I ever tapped uh, first time I ever tapped a black belt, I was a blue belt, and I tapped him with a straight foot lock, and the guy got so upset with me. I remember like it was like, today. Don't touch my feet. He was like, that's wrong. You can't do that. It's illegal. And I looked at him. I said, what do you mean? He goes, you can't do that in jiu-jitsu tournaments. I said, but I don't plan on doing jiu-jitsu tournaments. <laughs> and he goes, check me. <laughs> and he had this look. He was like dumbfounded. He's like, what do you mean? I said, I, I want to fight MMA. And he's like, all right. And he, he and the conversation ended. And he's the guy never trained with me again. Wow. He and he was like a wow. staple at the school. He never wanted to train with me again. I remember him just like he would avoid me, and I would be like thinking in my head like, what, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? You know what I mean? And that's the mentality that you you know if you start at a level, if you start for four years of your life and you say you know what, 
this line is wrong. You can't do this. Then when you eventually you have to cross that line and you have somebody who does it all the time, mm. you're going to get caught off guard and you're, you're going to dislike it. And you're going to, you know, that's why people dislike footlocks. How many guys in jujitsu don't like the legs? They're like, oh, that's, Some that's cheating. That's it's, cheating. It's come, I think it's come back around now. It, it's coming around a little bit now. We're talking about, more. it's already been three years in, into this since it first came hot. You know what right. I mean? So it takes time, right? Question but, for you though, and this actually came in in the comments on a, a YouTube stream uh, about, yeah, agreed, all submissions legal, but like, what about kids? And what about beginners? I mean, do you have white and blue belts like foot lock at each other at your academy? I do. White do? belts, yeah, I teach them right off rip. Like they're learning, they're, they're learning from day one. Wow. You know, how to, how to defend, how to attack, where they should be, where they shouldn't be. You know, Is this and a straight foot lock or, or heel hooks and toe holds and stuff I'm in there too? I'm talking everything. I don't, I don't, um, I try to keep them out of doing it in the gi uh, because the, the friction in the gi uh, does uh, help um, trap the legs. But um, I, I have no restriction on, on teaching my students uh, things like that. You know, I, they, they need to learn. And I'll be honest with you, my 12-year-old son knows how to heel hook like a G. I tell him all the time, I tell him yeah. all, like, don't do that to kids. <laughs> don't do that in tournaments, but I want him to know, you know what I mean? I don't want him to be that kid who eventually grows up and to be becoming one of the you know best in the world and not know that game, you know what I mean? Or right. not have an idea where to go, you know? I and mean, we've seen that happen. We've seen like world-class black belts go into- Lost. Yeah, go like, into ADCC and they have no idea. Like and, Leandro Lowe against Craig Jones, you know, that he looked lost, you know? And I, I was watching the way he was running. And I'm like, dude, you're going the wrong way. You're going to get caught. You know, he, he hurt himself with that heel hook before he had to give up his back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, Leandro's one of the best guys in the world. Right. You know, how, that's back to the line again. That line was drawn in the sand so long ago that he, he doesn't know any better, you know? What do you think needs to change then for if there is like a growing awareness and a growing acceptance of leg locks in jiu-jitsu? Um, and it's definitely, definitely growing, you know? Of but course. What, what do you think needs to happen for, uh, for people to kind of fully embrace it? I think there needs to be a change in uh, in in rules. Do you think you know? that will that will be the kind of the in in, in the biggest right. tournaments in the world? I don't want to name any of them, but so that'll know. be the motivation then for everybody to understand. Okay, no excuses now. We got to do this. Look, I'm going to give you another example. Look at um, how well Gordon did in this last Nogi Worlds because he understood the line that he could and couldn't cross. And how he was using that butterfly lift honey hole to trap guys and sweep him. He was just using that. That was what he was winning with. Right. The guys were like, ah, you know, like I saw two or three guys in different matches with him. That he lift, he trapped them, and they were like looking at the referee, like, look what <laughs> this guy's doing over here. He's looking, he's got my leg. He's, he's he's laced on the inside. He should be disqualified. They had no idea. Right. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know how to get out of that. And then they were getting swept. And then he was getting on top, crushing them, passing. It's very smart of him to uh, to really. And then he like, put it on the internet of learning the rules. Though, he he right? made it an effort to make sure that the referees knew the rules. Yeah. yeah. He didn't make it sure that the athletes knew the rules because the athletes really don't like him. <laughs> he made it sure that the referees knew the rules so that he could use it in his advantage. You know. But to be honest with you, if you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu, you should know everything. You should have a, a huge, broad spectrum of all attacks, and and it, it legs are definitely part of the game. You know, it should be it should be a hundred percent. You know what I mean? I mean, I definitely think you're onto something there because I'm not a competitor by any stretch of the imagination. But when I train, I think about what I'm competing for next. I'm like, okay, I got this IBJJF thing coming up. You know, I'm not gonna roll for toe holds because I'm I'm still a purple belt. So that extends all the way through and if like you were saying you have years of training where you're really heavily into competition 
you might not know what a knee bar is or you not, might not know how to defend one or I don't know. I, I you s- don't I even see, see it coming point. sometimes, you know? Yeah. Sure. You see guys that have that, – that, I mean, I've seen black belts that come to my gym and then they're rolling with my blue belts that do attack heel hooks. I mean, I, I have a, a, a blue belt that's in my school now. He's been training a year. And the guy's a phenom at legs. You know what I mean? Like he goes in and out of legs. Like, And I watch higher-level guys train with him and I'm like, they have no idea what he's doing. You can see it from the outside. You watch it and you're like, he doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't wow. even know how to defend that. You know what I mean? And it's important that you know – the game, you know what I mean? Because it's again, you're a black belt. I mean, I feel like it would actually help jujitsu big time too. How often you see guys move from one belt to the next so fast? You know I mean, they go from white to blue in a year, blue to purple in another year because they're winning big tournaments. Mm. And it's because you know, of course, they're doing well and they're good. But I feel like there's so much that they're missing in that big jump. You know what I mean? That you know, they, maybe they hang out in brown belt a little longer or a little purple belt a little longer. Interesting. If there was more. If there's more for them to do there. Exactly. Question for you, uh, and this is another one that's coming from the uh, the Facebook stream this time, is that uh, what do you think will be the next, like, jujitsu trend after leg locks? Because leg locks came along and, you know, it's so hot right now, you know, everybody's talking about leg locks. But, uh, you know, it'll, after a while, it'll, it'll just become a, a standard part of jujitsu that people accept. So, you know, we saw it. Over the last years, we've seen lots of different things, like the 50-50 guard came along, and now it's a fundamental position. And, you know, we've seen things like the Barambolo, that came along, and now you have everybody doing it from blue belt through to black. So after the leg locks, which is kind of what's currently happening, what do you see as like a future jujitsu trend that may, may come along? Uh, I'm going to have to say the float passing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say that because it's my own, uh, uh, part of my own system now, and I, I see guys like Gordon as well doing it, and, you know, He's a hot topic in jiu-jitsu. And so you think that actually that your your particular system of uh, of passing is, is quite similar to what he's been talking about lately? Yeah, we're, we're about on the same line right there. We're walking the right. same line in different, maybe in different directions, maybe in the same direction. I don't know what he's got. I don't know what he's doing with it. I haven't watched. Um, I mean, I've seen him in competition, but it's the brand is the same. Mm. Um, and I think that's the way to, to actually pass the guard of guys who like attacking the legs. That's the reason why he does it. You know, because he's training it against his own people in his gym, and that's the—I think—that's the next um, big step in in, uh, in jujitsu, gi and no gi. For people uh, who don't know, what what is float passing? It's kind of a style of pressure passing, right? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a mix of pressure passing, uh, uh, dynamic passing, uh, movement passing, and it's it's crushing. You know what I mean? You're leaning into 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 the person, you're getting them to frame and uh, and carry you. You know, which I feel like is effective for all arts. You know, if you're fighting MMA, it's the way you keep somebody underneath you. Well, this is what I found quite interesting is because you, you were telling us in the gym last night, you showed us a few moves from this particular position and, the, you know, the system that you have. And um, it, you explained that actually some of it came from your MMA. It came from me. It came uh, through my MMA uh, experiences, you know, where I would take somebody down and then instead of trying to just hold their hips or hold their legs to keep them down, I would use this system to posture up and lean over them and keep them underneath me with my hip pressure, you know, like kind of like a lion's mount for guys that know MMA, uh, know what that position is. It's like a rev- like a, a lion's mount with one hook in. So I would use it to keep the person underneath me, and then I would be able to hit them and move forward and 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 and, and keep the pressure on them and not allow them to escape and not allow them to get up, not allow them to hit me back. You know, my posture was high enough where they couldn't touch my face, they couldn't get away from me. And they couldn't upkick me. You know what I mean? Like they, I could stay right above them and keep them underneath me. And in MMA, I used it to hit them. And then I realized when I started to really get into uh, professional grappling that, you know, guys were pulling guard and it's hard to pass the guard. 
and this position was really safe for leg locks. Like, you know, right. I, the first time I ever, I faced Gordon twice. The first time I ever faced him, I used this position against him. And I, and I wasn't really that good at leg locks. I mean, I, I knew some, of course, uh, like I said, I always had an awareness, but it wasn't like where these guys are. They're, they're at another level with it. And um, I was able to keep myself safe with it. And I realized like, oh man, this is the system that I need to employ on all my matches. You know what I mean? Cause it's, it's heavy. It's consistent. It is heavy. It's definitely heavy. It's heavy. It's consistent. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's it terrible takes, pressure. Yeah. It takes it takes little effort from you. You know what I mean. You're not using a lot of strength on your arms. You're but not you're using really mobile at the same time. Exactly. Right? And you're this on your toes. Is, I found that really interesting to experience it firsthand because you know I've trained with some very very good pressure passes and you know I've 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 learned from some very good pressure passes, but. It was different because it was pressure with that sort of like ability to I, switch sides. There's some mobility move. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's weird because you do have that posturing up. You know, when I think of pressure passing, I think head down, forward on the mat, just grinding it out. And here you, you're looking at it. You're above the guy and you're floating above them. You yeah, know, it's, yeah. it's a very bizarre scenario. I feel like that's the next big jump in jiu-jitsu. It's guard passing. Yeah, that, that kind of guard passing. And, and it leads into, uh, you know, taking the mount or taking the back. You know what I mean? And either one, you know, that's going to... Good place to be. That's the, <laughs> that's exactly it. Those are the, the, the... If you're looking for real estate to hang out in, that's the place, you know? So um, that to me is going to be the next uh, big leap. You know, it's going to help eliminate, especially some of the guys that are... You know, you saw a lot of guys struggling with passing the guard with guys that are good at leg locks or on their knees or they're either darting in and out of the guard and, you know... It's that's that's not effective, you know. Now you mentioned as well, obviously, about the the ability to strike from that position and how it's good for MMA. But uh, we haven't talked about it yet. But let's not forget the fact that you are a combat jujitsu world champion. That's right. So uh, not only MMA, not only jujitsu, no gi gi, but uh, you like the you like to unleash the hands when still. Yeah, right? man. I'm like I said. I I, I feel like my jujitsu is 100 percent effective in all forms. You know. Now, when this style of of you know the call it slap jitsu but it's uh combat jiu-jitsu when that came along like uh, what did you think well, you, you know because some people are like huh it's kind of goofy but uh, you, you you dived right in huh i um i appreciated it because you know i trained a lot of years uh trying to perfect uh, my ground and pound and and the float system and learning how to just keep somebody underneath you once you take them down so when i was invited to compete in this event i was just like man this is gonna fit right up my alley you know what i mean and even training for it, I was like, man, every time I trained with somebody, I could see it in their face. They're like, dude, I do not want to do this with you. Because <laughs> one, it's not just, I wouldn't even hit them. I, prom I, I promise you, I, I spent majority of my training camp for uh, my CJJ world title not really hitting my students because I don't want to hit anybody because I know how hard I, I, I have possessed. You want to keep them as students. I, I want to keep them as students. That's right. <laughs> and then I would use the pressure passing, though to keep them stuck mm -hmm. and then show them like, hey, I can hit you here, I can hit You're you here, open. I can hit you here, right, I can hit okay. you here. Gotcha. You know what I mean? And that made people panic. You know what I mean? That made people go, what? I do not want to be underneath this guy. No, it's kind of interesting because it's come along as like a new development, something new, this combat jiu-jitsu and it's a whole new generation of guys getting into it. But uh, maybe because you are, a, a, you know, an older school guy and you came up and, uh, you know, back in the day, it wasn't uncommon for a lot of jiu-jitsu schools to have what they called the, uh, the taparia, right? Yeah, that's just kind of the training with the slaps yeah we we're talking about that it like he put one guy puts on gloves and the other guy doesn't put on gloves and and then and, and the slapping those are all um you know i think those are all ways that guys that are fighting mma should be training you know what i mean to learn how to do ground and pound right and if you're really training jiu-jitsu to 
you know, defend yourself, you should experience that once in your life. Changes things a lot, right? It will open your eyes. You will change. You have to do it once. If you if you are a black belt and you've never done that in your life, you're missing something. You know what I mean? I'm not telling you you should go fight MMA, but I'm telling you if you're a black belt in jiu-jitsu and you've never done this once in your life, then you don't know what it's like to you really know how to use jiu-jitsu the right way. Because the minute somebody postures up and punches you in the face, you're going to react differently. And you're not going to be playing half deep half guard sitting there waiting to sweep somebody because that's not going to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's going to get you in trouble. That's going to be miserable. Yeah, yeah. hands, right? Yeah. 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 And uh, speaking of the hands, I mean, yeah, I think you're the only person to have a, a, a TKO victory via slaps in combat jiu-jitsu. I huh? call it SKO. Slap S- knockout. <laughs> <laughs> knockout. First ever. Yeah, that sounds miserable. Ba- Basra might have one of those somewhere. But yeah. I, get, I just can't even imagine how that must have felt because... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, having having trained like some kind of MMA back in the day, and and you know, knowing what it's like to get in bad positions, do you think that jujitsu guys really appreciate how much it changes the the, the kind of the, you know how you think about positional you know concepts and stuff in jujitsu? Yeah, it's definitely going to make your jujitsu different, and you should. Uh, like I said, if you've never done it, you need to do it at least once in your life to understand. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And it doesn't even have to be done with somebody that's that good. You can do it with somebody that's not as good as you to just let them try to hit you because you have to have that in your mind. You know what I mean? You, you do you know, think people still will do that though? Because, you know, especially with the growth of um, the growth of professional grappling and the growth of sport jiu-jitsu as a whole, uh, it used to be back in the day that if you were a jiu-jitsu guy, the only way to make money was to go to MMA, MMA right? right? And now people can happily uh, exist and they can have a really kind of, you know, lucrative careers without needing to go to the ring or to the cage right. so do you think that as the the um the kind of this professional grappling option exists standalone you think people will just they they will completely ignore that so they can just focus all on grappling or? um well with cjj on the map who knows that this might take uh you know it might take a front seat you know, you know which direction it's going in you know mm. um right now it's you know you got guys man we got an event coming up with guys like be a mosquito and you know Gordon and Verdum and Josh Barnett and and uh, Rustum. You know you got guys. These are all really big names. You know doing an event that's you know potentially gonna rough up feathers for other people to want to do. You know what I mean? So I don't know. It, it um, we don't know what trend is gonna come next, right? That's what we keep talking about. Yep. Yep. But um, I, I I think I mean for me it's it's this this generation is different than the generation before mine. Um, you know, people are, you know, people on the internet have uh, more uh, say so about uh, what they feel and what, how they, they express themselves, uh-huh. you know, where uh, you see a lot of guys act away in the internet. And then when you meet them in real life, they're totally different. You know what I mean? So it's, I don't know, it's, it's hard to say. Um, but I, I really do think that, you know, you should be doing something uh, and using your jujitsu to learn how to defend yourself. And I'm not telling you to learn self-defense katas. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying go do your, your uh, you know, breakdowns of how you're somebody stabbing you with a knife. Because if somebody pulls a knife on me, I'm telling them, like, you can have whatever you want. <laughs> what do you want? <laughs> I mean, unless I'm, I feel like my life's at risk, uh-huh. I'm not really going to react. You know no what I mean? Back, you know. Yeah, there's – but, you know – you see people today, you know, like get out of road rage and get out of the car. I had a guy try to fight me like a couple weeks ago. No way. I swear to God. That's a bad idea. <laughs> I swear to God. He came. He had no he came, idea. He, I asked him. We're, I'm going to tell you the story. We were at a house party uh, on New Year's Eve or New Year's Eve Eve. So New Year's Eve Eve. Right. And um, this guy um, was on the dance floor dancing and I'm sitting on the couch watching, talking to my friend. 
and uh, he starts to dance and back his way up into my wife and I, I stood up and I said hey buddy you know do me a favor man don't back you know like he was backing his butt up and trying to grab her hands I'm like don't do not do that please you know like let her you dance you know have fun we're at somebody's house you know somebody I know I'm like don't do that man please and the guy turns to me I'm, I'm telling you he was like 5'3 he turns to me he goes or what and oh like, man <laughs> it threw me back for a second I was like or what what like what do you mean or what I'm asking you don't do that you know yeah. what I mean like that's not it's not cool, man. What Don't do that. What a silly man. He's like, for what? He goes, I'm not scared of you. And I'm like, I'm not asking you to be scared of me. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not trying to intimidate you. I'm asking you, don't touch her. Don't get near her. You know what I mean? And the guy was like, like started puffing his chest. And I looked at his friend that was next to him. I'm like, your boy's about to get in trouble, man. You better pull him away. And then the guy, the guy, other guy was somebody that, that was like, he was a firefighter. And he was like, no, 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 man, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm really calm. Like, I'm not going to fight you unless I'm getting paid for it. You know what I mean? Yeah. We're not going to, it's not going to happen. You know what I mean? So it just makes me feel like, you know what I mean? But if it was somebody who was a little hotheaded, you know what I mean? They would probably pop off on, on pop off on them. You know what I mean? I'm just like, please. You know I think I mean? actually people don't appreciate just how chill you are, right? <laughs> because maybe they see the savage, you know, yeah, they see yeah. the violent jujitsu, and they have this idea yeah. that you're a all around kind of, kind all of the a nasty time. dude, you know. Yeah. But actually, man, I mean, you know, the first time that we uh, that we got to share a mat together was in Finland, mm-hmm. right? Right. right? Right before ADCC, when we we're all training in the bomb shelter with yeah. a vlog of it on Flow Grappling, and uh, and you guys got a role. That's right. And, I was kind of a little bit scared for Chase. I'll be honest, you know. <laughs> it's like 24, 48 hours out from ADCC. And, uh, you know, I, I, I had only ever seen you roll in in competition at that point. Yeah. I had no idea. And, uh, you know, 140-pound Chase comes over, and, and I'm thinking, uh-oh, shit. We're about man. to lose our content marketer. <laughs> <laughs> but it was amazing because it was super technical, and it was kind of a little bit playful. And, you know, it was, it was great. It was perfect. So, but it goes to show that you're not like uh, you're not that hardcore dude that maybe people think you are, huh? No, it's different. I'm definitely different in person than I am on the stage. You know what I mean? If you're putting me and you're putting a referee between us and you're saying go, my competitive spirit comes out and then everything is fair. You know? But, but that's, that's in cool real though, life because right? you 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 switch it on. That's for the, the job for the for, yeah. the for the for the bout for the match whatever it is. You have the ability to to flick that switch and it's it's go time right yeah it's it's my job you know i'm supposed to do that you know so in the match you know if you don't like me afterwards i'll try to, i even apologize i have a majority of the guys i compete against i apologize afterwards i swear to god i go hey man i'm sorry about all that <laughs> they're like they're like sorry about what i'm sorry like sorry about the uh, nasty bits yeah I'm like i'm you know it is what it is you know if it makes if it, if i can tell if i can notice that it made the person feel unease and uncomfortable it's almost like you, you don't know, want to offend them you know i don't want to offend them you know uh-huh. what i mean but i don't want to lose to them either of course you know what i mean because that's yeah. going to offend me yeah. so <laughs> you know I, i'm going to go in there and i'm going to i'm going to make you um you know i'm going to make you hate that 10 minutes in front of me you know so but that again it's part of that's the job you know what i mean that's what yeah. that's what I, we signed on the line for you know now i so i found something really interesting as well is that you said that in the gym you're uh, you're not necessarily like the best guy on the mat either, you know. I don't think I am. I, I get I often I get tapped by people, you know, and I think it makes you know it makes my students uh, appreciate it. You know what I mean? Like, you can't always be the hammer, right? Because if you're the hammer all the time, then eventually you're gonna find yourself being the nail. And the only way to learn new things is to put yourself in positions that you don't really want to be in. You know what I mean? And so. I find that uh, in I compete a hundred times better than I train, huh. you know, and I train a lot. So you're one of those guys who takes it up a level when you go into the tournament. I learned that years ago through um, a good friend of mine that uh, I used to watch him train, and he used to get wrecked. And then competitions, this guy would come out and just 
And I asked him, I said, how do you do that? And he goes, man, I just, you know, I find that that energy that, that makes me feel like, I, you know, like that, you know, whatever it is that propels you to get that fire inside of you. And I and I put 100% into it, you know what I mean? And that's that's what I try to do. Every time before a match, you, you can watch my eyes. I'm like, I'm like staring right through the guy that's across from me. And I'm so like, you kind of tap into that. Yeah. Is there any way to, to get better at utilizing that besides competing all the time? Or is that the only thing you can do? No, you can do that in the gym. You know, you could practice. Um, one of the things that I try to do with my students is I always try to pair them off in, in like like little mini super fights, you mm. know, in the school. And I add that energy because it changes things, right? For sure. You could do that in the school and you could see it. You know what I mean? Like I used to have team uh, – team events in the school i would have uh, individuals every once in a while like i'll get a guy who goes yeah i trained with chase and i did this to chase and it was awesome and they're kind of like in a way telling me what they did and but it's almost senses like they're bragging about it so i like that to me i'll be honest with you i enjoy when people come tell me and, and share their stories with me and i usually use that against them <laughs> usually i pull back then and go hey how so chase is telling me how uh, he did so and so thing to you. I want to see that happen again. You know what I mean? And I set it up so that now, now there's like a little. You like, have a little grudge like, going. I love grudge. it. Yeah, yeah. It, makes, it makes a good. It makes for a good training it session. You know what I mean? Competitive spirit. Shall yes, we say. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But it's friendly. You know what I mean? And I tell them like, this is friendly. You know, I want you guys to be friends, but I want you guys to you know push yourselves. You know, so it happens all the time in my school. And sometimes I have to explain to the students why I do it because it, it actually makes them better. You know what I mean? It's true. And we, we saw a lot of that. So on the Road to Worlds tour, we were in Ireland at Daryl O'Connell's gym. And he did that. Um, he had They call it first to score. And they put two guys out in front of the whole class. And uh, as it sounds, the guy to score whatever. Anyway, they win that round. Then right. TLI has the same thing. They were doing a... I don't know if it's first to score, but they were doing a super fight style thing. So you got everybody in the gym. Yeah, yeah like and they're all cheering and making noises. We do that all the time at fight sports. Like me and Cyborg do these all the time. Uh, me and him personally, we do it all the time against each other. <laughs> and, uh, and and we see other guys, we do it all the time to them. We put them on the spot and go, uh, send them out. And I, I do it in say, my I, school. I'd love to be a fly on the wall for one of those training sessions. Oh, my God. Like, I have it, I, we have it recorded a bunch of them on, on WhatsApp all the time. Somebody records them. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> it, man, it is what it is. You know, it's it's a hard match. It, it's what makes us better. And uh, it just that's what propels uh, you nice. know us to be who we are, you know. Just we got a, a roundabout. Well, about 10 minutes, just a little less than 10 minutes remaining in this interview, but uh, there's, uh, there's still so much to cover because, you know, it's uh, this is it. Whenever we get the chance to get a world-class black belt into the studio, you know, there's so many things that we want to ask. But, uh, Chase, uh, do we have any uh, any other questions you'd like to try and get in there before time is up? Man, I mean, wh where do we start? Um, I, I really don't – why is ADCC, like, the title you really want? I feel like that's – there's a whole a whole bunch of promotions out that's, there. That seems to be the one, and that's right? the one you're chasing. That to me isn't the one, you know. That's uh, that's the first thing that I I watched that made me kind of like, you know, almost fall in love. You know what <laughs> I mean, like that, you know, that first thing that you see, you're like, oh my god, that's the one. You know, that's the one thing I want to do. That that you know, and that and to each his own. You know, everybody has that in their life. You know, something that makes them go, all right, I'm gonna get this. You know. So for me, it's uh, it's always been ADCC since day one. You know, my uh, like my first instructor that I got white to black with, it was you know always priority in his book, and it was a oh, lot of always he's the coach. multiple time ADCC yeah, champion. Was, Pablo Popovich, yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. There was a lot of that talk in the school. You know, there was always a lot of camps for that. 
there was a lot of energy later focused. on being around cyborg as well cyborg as well came champ. out there and yeah. won yeah. and did his thing several times you know you've always been around that adcc probably much more so than other people then i guess that's so. right yeah i've i mean i've been uh going to the to the adcc since barcelona in 2009 and every year i've been there and witnessed it live and seen it i mean it's just to me it's the coolest event i mean i've been to many worlds titles i mean many worlds uh, uh gi worlds events you know competed several times as a black belt so you uh, but i never had that energy for that you know what i mean but i've yeah. seen others that go there and that's their dream you know what i mean to me it was never like huh i was like always like all right i'm gonna go out there i'm gonna try this this is good you know it's tough it's hard but i feel like it's different than than the adcc where it's like it's 16 of the best guys it's selective it's guys who want their opportunity to get in there. It's guys that are invited because they are the best guys in the world. It's not just random people who signed up to to a tournament and you got 97 guys in one division. You know what I mean? It's, it's 16 of the best. 16 of the yeah. best. And then it, the way classes are, are pretty spread out. So it's, you know, either you fit in one or, or you don't. You know what I mean? And, I mean, it's it's made if you look at the guys who've won these tournaments over the years it's it's the best guys of all time they've become yeah. legends they're right? all Especially legends because every only, single it's one of them every other year yeah. as well every it's it's the olympics of our jiu-jitsu you know what i mean so that's to me the been the the the, the goal you know the, the, the dream <clears throat> we got a good question come in from the uh from the viewers as well um uh who do you consider your hardest match to date you know hmm. against who it Man. could be one you won or lost, but is there a, a specific match you'd like, God damn, that was a war. Freaking, um, I've had three matches against Gary Tonin, and he's freaking, he's made my life really hard. Every th every time, whether I won or lost, he made my life hard. So I would have to say, you know, leading into uh, all the competitors of over the years, he's the guy I, I have to say, like, he, he he made my life hard. He, he's really a complete grappler. You know what I mean? Like a guy can wrestle. He can scramble. He can play guard. He can attack your legs. He's he can, a finisher. He's a finisher. Yeah. yeah. He's just. I think he's uh uh one of those guys that I I've had three matches with, and every single one of them was not easy. You know. So um, how do you feel about his transition to MMA now? Have you been he, following it? Yeah, I have been. He's looking good. You know. He's uh got uh, his hands are looking you know pretty sharp. Um, of course, his jiu-jitsu and, and uh, takedowns are always been, you know, pretty pretty well. So yeah, he's looking good. You know, I, I wish him all the best. I hope he continues. You know, I tried that run, and that's behind me now. So I, you know, it's good to see him go and leave some space for me. <laughs> 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 you know, like I said, it's it, MMA life is not easy, man. You know, these guys that are all, you know, it's sad, you know, to see the some of the guys that are the could be the greatest of all time in jiu-jitsu leave to go to do MMA like Damian Maya and Jacare and now this there's just a generation of them that keep you know walking away from jiu-jitsu because it's hard to make a like a, a, a well living you know fine unless you have a school that runs really well and it's it's hard to make a real good living off jujitsu, you know. I get it's sad. We, but we've seen, we have seen it change, though, right? Because it's getting are, better. There are That's guys for now sure. that they literally just live as competitors. They don't even have to have a school. Nope. And they're doing great. Yeah. You know, yeah. traveling the world, training, competing, teaching yeah, seminars. Guys like Craig Jones, you see him on left and right, competing, everything. You know what I mean? Like that's it's awesome to see that. And um, but I still feel like there's, I think there's think, room to go. Like it's like that's one the one percent. Yep. You know what, what about the rest? You know, like where are they at? You know what I mean? Like. You have to put yourself in, in scenarios to win big big championships to kind of break through. And then if you do break through, then, you know, you have to have that opportunity. You have to have a connection to know somebody to know mm. to get yourself in those opportunities to make money. So it's 
it's still got a long ways to go, you know? I think jiu-jitsu could be a major professional sport, you know what I mean? I think jiu-jitsu could be a, a, you know, an NFL or an NBA, you know, something where it's, it should be, I think, you know what I mean? It's, you it's think the, it has that potential? It, it's the freaking best martial art in the world. It's the greatest martial art. Like, think about it. There's still guys who have karate schools out there making a ton of money, you know what I mean? Like, how is this possible, you know what I mean? Who do you think could take jiu-jitsu to that level? Uh, flow grappling could take jiu-jitsu to that level. All right. Heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, man. If flow grappling's already jumped jiu-jitsu to the next level. You know what I mean? I, it takes it takes a couple more things to make jiu-jitsu get to the next level. I'm, I really, truly believe jiu-jitsu could be a major sport, a major league jiu-jitsu. What's you know what the, I mean? like, uh, the role of personality to you? I feel like every other sport has major superstars and, mm-hmm. and front men and women uh, that kind of pave the way for publicity. Do we need that in jiu-jitsu? Well, we already have some of those guys doing that. You know yeah. what I mean? You're watching guys like uh, uh, Andre Galvone and Gordon Ryan talking about a million-dollar match on, on, on the Internet. You know what I mean? These guys, they're kind of pushing that curb. You know what I mean? Like, does Andre Galvone deserve a million dollars? Hell, yeah, he deserves a million dollars. Somebody give that man a million dollars and put him in front of Gordon, please. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's the, that's what we need. You know what I mean? We need opportunities to create uh, things like that. You know what I mean? And it's it's just not there but it's going to get there and you'd um, like to see a uh you'd like to see the professional jujitsu go uh, even further establish like a real professional a league. league yeah yeah and, and there's there's that possibility there is that it, it just needs the right idea you know to take that to the next level you know where true sponsorships like reebok and nike come around and start giving athletes money and uh, the you know jerseys start getting switched and you know players are not thinking oh my team and my lineage and my school no they're thinking financial benefits you know what i mean like longevity you know where you know you wear a jersey because that's your your state and that's your team and that's where you know where jiu-jitsu should be you know mm. and i think and people are like oh that's that's never gonna happen yeah it can happen the truth is there's people that sell themselves short and they don't see the opportunities there in front of them but you know, it just takes a little bit of the right person in the right place to make that those moves happen. And I, I personally, that's my end career, my career. That's my goal is to try to change jujitsu to make it better for uh, up and coming guys. I'm, I'm an older guy. I'm not, I'm not 25 anymore. You know what I mean? I'm like close to 40. So I'm still in the game pushing away, but it won't be forever. And uh, when that time comes, I'm going to help. I'm, I'm going to try to help at least change the game. So. Awesome. Well, I hope we do see that uh, that big change for the next generation. Um, Wagner, it's been absolutely awesome having you here in the studio for uh, joining us here for the podcast. And uh, we got some great content coming to the site as a result of your visit. We got some techniques coming. We got yeah, a, an float, episode to fix my game. Float passing. The float passing <laughs> the float pressure. Passing. Yeah, man. Check you guys. Some, check it uh, out. Match analysis and commentaries. It's, uh, it's been a lot of fun. But it's been really cool to get you here and to hear your thoughts about jujitsu. Thanks so much for giving us your time. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me. And like I said, uh, you know, if it wasn't for uh, Flo and and the support of uh, the the work you guys do here, uh, jiu-jitsu would still be in the Stone Age, you know, and, um, you know, we'd still be giving out, selling DVDs, you know, (laughs) you know, and so it's true. And and looking at magazines to see if you can see your name in the magazine, like, oh, my name didn't come up. Come, I did so good here. (laughs) You know what I mean? And, you know, the the game has changed big time, you know, and, um, you know, we have to. Um, give credit where credit's due. So I really do appreciate you guys having me here today and and uh, and helping jujitsu grow. So awesome. I, I'm, Thanks, I'm man. fortunate. I think we're gonna have to do this again sometime, right? Yeah. I'm 100 down. I told you guys that you can make me a, a steady guest. I'll be here. All right. Well, guys, we'll see you again next week for another episode of Fistful of Colors. Thanks.